Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. As usual, putting in some work right here up to the end. We are prepping right up to the last moment for you and this program. Kevin Barnett and DJ Jeremy Roche sitting in studio, in the home court, if you will, looking up partnerships. <laughs> for us? Yeah, yeah. Trying to find, trying to find a partner here. I am looking at the the merry-go-round that is AVP Volleyball because I think, by my count here, Whitney Pavlik is a slut. That's all I can... Wow. All I've come to conclude that's how here... You're, that's how you're going to start off Monday morning? <laughs> Just insulting Whitney? Uh, gosh. Okay. So in this year, Whitney has played with Four different partners. She's had four different partners. Out of how many events, Kevin? Out of how many events? I don't know. I have to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is exciting radio. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven events. Ah, 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 ah. Eleven events, four partners. Four partners is a lot in one season. Uh, before you insult her more, let's wish her a uh, belated by one day happy birthday. Her birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Whitney. She'll never come on the show now because you called her a slut. No, she knows nah. I'm joking. She is a, we'll, we'll clarify, volleyball slut. How we can talk about their a I'm, partner slut. I'm sure there's some guys on there that have had lots of partners, too. Oh, yeah, they've gotten around. <laughs> they've gotten around. We'll call them male whores. Because there's always been a double standard in my mind. Oh, here, I knew this was going to happen. People talk about that. That's, that is a double standard. 100%. And I think it's baloney. I agree. I think you. it's crap. I like an experienced woman. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just gonna put my head. I'm just gonna. I'm just <laughs> gonna shows up my Jerry. computer, and I'm going to go home. <laughs> if we go off air, now's wow. the time. It's not like we got kids listening to this stupid Who show. Knew that today was gonna start off like. That? Oh, nobody did because I was barely awake today. I am exhausted by the time Monday rolls around, man. When you yeah. work weekends, as you and I both do. Yep. Monday is like, it's like Saturday morning. For other people. They went through a whole week of hard work. They wake up Saturday morning like, man, I could have gotten more rest. Yep. I'm flying back from Oakland last night, rolling to my house about 10 o'clock. Okay. That's the, that's the end of my weekend, like rolling back from Oakland and Cal UCLA going five. That's Thanks a lot, Cal UCLA, by the way. <laughs> going five again. I think I've done who won. My last four matches, three of them have gone five. Yeah. I want bonus pay. Yeah. That should be in your contract. If it goes five, I get paid more. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. And if it goes three, I get my standard pay. I have now, and I, I know I've said this before, but when the last match of the day, especially on Saturday, on yeah. tour, goes three, I have told players, if you are, have lost game one, I'm rooting against you. No offense. <laughs> but if you win game two, you better win game three. 
Because right. then you've just wasted my time if you won game two and then lost game three. And now I'm upset with you. Exactly. It's not personal. Nothing personal against you, and maybe I want you to win the tournament. But don't you dare, after nine hours of being out there, go three on the last match on Saturday. We're going to try and not waste your time here on this program today. We have Nick Lucena coming on. Nick, Nick got around a little bit, just a little bit. Two different partners this year, I think, is the, the total for Nick. We will look it up at some point during the show. But near as we can figure, it was Theodore and Jonathan were the two partners that he had this year. And Ryan Doherty for an event. Oh, that's three. Overseas. Oh, male yeah. whore. There you go. <laughs> Way to go, Nick Lucena. So Nick Lucena will join us on the program to talk about this year. Well, this is College of Volleyball Weekly. First time on the show? Deb and Brandon. I Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. It's a fail on my part. You know, we go five years. I can't remember every guest. No, I know. I'm here. with you. I just don't think in the three years I've been on, I'm not sure... Well, he's coming on today. He's coming on today. Matters. He will be on the program. Welcome, Nick Lucena. We also have College Hall Weekly with our usuals, Deb and Brandon. If Deb remembers what time the show is Did today. you talk to her last week? She's like, ah, I just wanted you guys to miss me. I, I just want people to know she was fired up. She had a whole list of things she wanted to talk about. She'd been at some matches. She'd watched a lot of matches. She had great information for you. Too bad it was an hour and a half late. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, Did she, like... Was like fall back time? Like, was it all messed up for her in the middle of the week? She didn't know what was going on. Spring forward, fall back. Do I set my clocks back? Do I set it forward? What happens? I don't know. It's Wisconsin. Anything's possible. The sun probably didn't come up for a few days in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weird. Exactly. I'm not sure. Uh, NCAA playoff picture is starting to clarify. I was at Cal UCLA, as before mentioned. And UCLA, whew, they don't like to play volleyball over about 23 points in any set. They do not like to do that. They win set number one, 25-17. They are on a 13-6 run in the middle of that set. And then set, lose? Set two. No, they won that one. Set okay. two. So it's 25-17 UCLA in set number one. Set two. They're leading, I believe, 23-21. They lose 26-24. Oh. If I'm remembering exactly correctly. Uh, they had one, one set point. In set three, they also have a set point, And they lose 26-24. They then dominate set number 425-18, I believe it was. And then set five, they end up losing to Cal. Cal makes some plays, gets some transition kills, and UCLA goes down again. So congratulations to Cal, who moved back into the top 25 for the second time this year, last week, up to number 22. They lost to number four, Southern Cal. As expected, that shouldn't affect their mm-hmm. ranking, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they went out and defeated UCLA 3-2, so it'll be interesting to see where Cal falls. I'd expect them to stay about the same. I could see them, I, I could see them going to 21, maybe, uh, based on some other results here, but I, I would say probably Cal's going to remain about where they're at. And they're in good position to make the postseason. Interesting thing about UCLA is that they are also not out of the postseason. 3-9 and nine in conference. Because they're UCLA? Because they have a high RPI. The RPI starts to come into play. They've yeah. played all these tough teams, yep. so they have a high RPI. But they're not winning any matches. Are they close matches, though? Because that's got to factor into it, right? Everything's close for, for them. Yeah. They're dumping matches. They, they've had a ridiculous number of leads over 20 points in sets that they end up losing. And UCLA, I mean, they very easily could be 500 or a little over 500, I think. Gotcha. They could be one of that, that mid-pack four in the Pac-12. Because there's the elites. There's Washington, UC, USC, and Stanford. Those are the top three teams in the conference. Yeah. And by and large, those teams are taking care of business. 
But the second group is about four. Uh, what is this? Four one four. Where my thumb is, Kevin? Not oh, over there. That you have. Oh, oh, I was looking at the chat board. Oh, come on, bro. Okay. Four one four. I believe that four one four is Wisconsin. Is that Deb? Is that Deb right now? Uh-huh. Let's click over there. See who, <laughs> see who that is. She's hold on. Click over whoever that is. They're getting on here. She's gonna come on twice. She four one four. She calls in uh, to give her information from last week, and then she'll call back later. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Deb, is that you? I'm gonna say no. Four one four. No, somebody just hanging out. Just hanging out listening to the program. That's okay. Click them off. I don't know. Put them back on hold. Yeah. Unless it was Deb and she had us on hold. <laughs> <laughs> she went all, hold on, guys. I'm going to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know that people, when they talk to us in a restroom, then they put us on hold. That's how it works. All right. Well, we're going to, I just pulled out the sheet from last week so I can go back and look at the records. Oh, that's why that's she needs to give you. How did she do last week? Well, we didn't have any matches from her, so that would have required extra work during the week, and I do that on other broadcasts oh, anyway. Gotcha. So, yeah, I forget where we're. So UCLA anyway. Yeah. They, they, Three and nine conference close matches still in the hunt. Still in the hunt. It's it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And I, we've argued about this each year. I think as it comes down to it, about teams that are towards the bottom of the Pac-12 and how many Pac-12 teams get in. Last year, I got to look it up, but I'm going to say it's somewhere around six or seven teams got in. Yeah, and this year it could be the same. So UCLA is still in the hunt, and I, I, they're dangerous. There's no doubt they get in the tournament. They could win a couple of matches. Yeah, it's not like, like you said, they're all close matches. It's not like people are just running over them. No, by and large, no. No. So Cal has now swept the season series from UCLA. How about that? This is a team, the all-time series was 56-7 and seven going in, favor UCLA. Although, since 2005, yep. the series now stands at 8-10. and 10. Cal has 8, UCLA with 10. So Ooh. it's fairly even okay. in the la- since 2005. I would say since, but I, or in the last however many years, but I can't do the math from 05 to 13. <laughs> last 18 years. So, yeah, good, good, uh, good weekend for Cal. They did lose to to USC, but played them tough. And also, UCLA lost to Stanford, but felt like they played well in that one. Oh, yeah. You can play well in a defeat, despite what I say in the open every week. Yeah. We will have College Bible Weekly. If everyone was doing a great job, then everyone would win the championship every year. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What about this one? You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. <laughs> Congratulations to USC on sweeping the weekend. They swept Southern California. Uh, Southern California. They swept uh, Northern California. They swept uh, Stanford and Cal. Take those two. Yeah, they swept themselves. But uh, yeah, they beat Stanford. So congratulations to them. Three-two in that one. I'm just looking down the top uh, top five teams. They all won. They're going to stay the same. That would be my guess. Not a lot of surprises there. Minnesota with a 3-2 over Purdue, 3-0 over Indiana. I want to send our congratulations out to Cincinnati, Molly Alvey. The Bearcats? Got their first win last week, I believe it was. Is that what they Bearcats? Yeah, they were 1-21 now. Hey, win's a win. It, yeah, really rough season for them. It's been, uh, I'm sure, less than enjoyable there for Molly and her players. 
losses all the way down. Now they lost two more. So they currently stand at 1-24. and 24. Ugh. Wow. They beat Rutgers in five. That's their lone win. Boy, oh, boy. That is tough. It says NCAA on their schedule. It says NCAA first round to be determined. I don't think so. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> got seven matches left in the season. Maybe you can salvage something out of there. Not, not enough RPI there to carry that, unfortunately, for Cincinnati. Hey, how about uh, how about this Dolphins situation? Have you followed this at all in the last couple of days? A little bit, and I was thinking about the bullying aspect of it. You don't think about it happening in professional sports really like that. Yeah, but it, it's obviously going on. Well, and there's more that's going to come out. But like when you're an adult and somebody sits down at the cafeteria lunch table and the entire lunch table gets up and walks away, that seems very high schoolish to me, doesn't it? Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's something my idiot neighbor would do. He's uh he's still in seventh grade. That's funny. And like obviously we don't know I'll have all the facts and stuff like that, but the things that have been reported like if you they were supposed to do a trip to Vegas and it was gonna cost them fifteen thousand dollars. One of the guys didn't want to go. First of all, why is it costing you fifteen grand? Because <laughs> yeah. you have that kind of money. It's costing you fifteen thousand dollars. You don't want to go, but you don't want to tell that person you don't want to go and not give them money, so you just give them fifteen thousand dollars and you don't go to Vegas. There's something wrong there. Tweets from Incognito. Matt Adam Schefter, enough is enough. If you or any of the agents you sound off for have a problem with me, you know where to find me. Hashtag bring it. And Adam Schefter shot back at him too, by the way. What did he say? Something along the lines of like, um, he was defending his stance on this kind of stuff that he doesn't like just throw it out there just because, because he's heard it and that all his sources are always legit, you know? Right. My, uh, Which now I find it funny when uh, reporters and athletes have beef. Yeah. It's like, hey, wait, I, we have beef now. Like they're Tupac and Biggie. We have beef. <laughs> Just like I'm sure a lot of people have beef with you on the show. Hopefully Adam Schefter is not gunning down Richie Incognito anytime soon. Hopefully. Or having one of his agents do so. That's why he didn't go to Vegas. Yeah, this is a developing story, but I, I wonder about it as it relates to volleyball. I obviously have seen it at Pepperdine to some extent. Uh, Chris Jacobson, now of Top Chef fame. I remember the year after I left Pepperdine, I came back for a practice. It happened to be the one where Chris Jacobson and our setter, uh, Kurt, who's last, Kurt Nelson, mm-hmm. were disciplined for going into a freshman's room and throwing things out the window and wrecked a computer and all kinds of stuff in, in a, a hazing incident. I've always been curious about the hazing thing. Yeah, and and there's stuff that's funny, and there's stuff that's over the top, and it's hard to judge each situation. And I've never been in a situation where I've been through a hazing type thing, like, so I don't get it, but like I... I can see where, like, if you were a freshman and you were hazed, so then when you were a senior, it's almost like, okay, now it's my time to haze somebody. But, yeah. like, like you said, there's certain things that are like, oh, this is funny. But then there's things you read about, and it's like, it's very degrading and embarrassing. It's like, why? First of all, if somebody tried to do any of that to me, I'd be like, no. Things that, things that come back that are kind of funny, shaving of the head or something, there's worse things that can happen. For sure. Uh, we we tied up George Romain and Ryan Millar with duct tape. We tied them to chairs. But is that a, did that become a bonding experience? Because that, that's what it's supposed to turn into. No, it's I, supposed to be a bonding experience for the team. 
see, this this was the wrong team for that, and I think it just got a little aggro over the top. We tied them to chairs. We put them in the elevators with signs taped to them that said, let me ride. First of all, how many people did it take to hold George Romain down and tape him to a chair? All of them. Like everybody. All everybody of, you could all find. All the people. Everybody that was there that you could find. Hotel right. staff, the valet out front, George, people walking down the street. George. You grabbed everybody you could find. George is a big, strong animal. Yeah. That's just, for sure. Yeah. You have to remember, if you have four or five other big, strong animals, eventually it's going to work out for True. the group. Did somebody get hurt? Almost. Okay. Yeah, I was in a hotel in Canada. That's where the coaches get be upset, when somebody gets hurt. Right. Yeah. Right. When something stupid like that happens. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think it was a team bonding thing, really. I, I think it was just kind of dumb at the end. And looking back... But you're young. I mean, you as as a grown man now, looking back, you're like, yeah, that's foolish. But at that time... As you and I were talking off the air, I went to a festival this weekend. There were a lot of young kids there. And I would looking, like to go. And I'm looking at them like, how are your parents letting you out of the house like this? But at that age, I did stupid stuff as well. Maybe yeah. not as stupid. So I look at it like it's just because I'm older now and I think it's stupid, like what I've done it then because I was a fool. <sighs> I'm still okay with people dressing the way you were describing. But <laughs> there were other foolish things that went on besides inappropriate outfits. I'll be at this thing next year. <laughs> I will. I will work my work schedule around this entire event. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 looking back, look, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Nobody was hurt. We didn't damage anything. Yeah. You weren't degrading the person. It's just kind of funny to put them in the elevator with with yeah. tape over their mouth that said and a sign that said "Let me ride." As long as like, do you think they were okay with it? And by okay, I mean like, haha, yeah, it's funny. You guys win. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I, I think in a different situation, that team interpersonally was not good. Gotcha. I think in a different situation it would have been fine. Yeah. I think there it just was one more example of kind of crappy behavior. And that's where I think the difference is, is like knowing your staff, like the Miami Dolphins team that got up from the lunch table, if like that was some inside joke and the guy was like, ha ha, you guys are funny, but he took it so personally he left the team. Obviously not because of that just one incident, there were other things that were going on, but if he left the team, there were other things that were inappropriate that happened. Yeah. So this, those type of things, like that's not working for that team. If you're serious about leaving the lunch table with this guy, then you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. If you're behaving yeah. that way in your mid-20s at a professional setting, yeah. you're an idiot. Because <laughs> nobody at a, I hope that a, guy corporate, a corporate environment yeah. who sits down at the corporate lunch table <laughs> and all of his coworkers get up and walk away, that's idiotic. To, uh, with nothing having gone on other than whatever's reported here, they were they were just basically riling him all the time. Like that's ridiculous. I remember something like that happened in high school. Um, I wasn't involved, but I was in the cafeteria at the time. Some kid that you know he wouldn't have been considered the most popular kid sat down at the lunch table, and everybody at that table got up and left. Right. And from a distance, like you know, some of us were like well, that's harsh. But there was a group of girls at the table next to it that they all got up and then sat with him. Right on. Which he, Good for them. Like, all of a sudden, he was like, okay, now, like, and all those, like, they were all friends from that point on. So, end of the story, great. But I remember, like, that was just, you really, I mean, you're embarrassing somebody, and probably in front of 500 people in the cafeteria at that point. Um, and that's the whole world for these kids. Exactly, especially yeah. in high school. Now, to do, like, thinking about that at a professional level in football, like, it just seems even more ridiculous to me. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Was there any uh, hazing or ritual things like when you got to college, when you got on the team, like things you had to do? Like 
I came in as a junior. You had to go streaking or anything like that. And you didn't want to get near me, so <laughs> it didn't. It didn't really matter for me. Gotcha. I, I'm weird because I come in as a as a junior. I don't come in as a freshman. Okay. But yeah, they did some stuff to people. Um, that I don't know. It was never all that bad from anything I ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're right. It's contextual. It, it's fun stuff. I mean, when I went to the national team, the younger guys had to carry the luggage and carry the crappy pieces of equipment. Okay, no big deal. But the problem became that became a bigger competition than practice sometimes was to see if you had to carry the anvil case or not. I mean, it's just it, it can get taken too far. Definitely get taken too far. Yeah, Katie made a good point on uh, the chat board. Like the word hazing, because there has been some negative stuff in the press, is getting out of hand. Like the rookies at NFL carrying the older players, like helmets and shoulder pads. Like that could be considered hazing. But that's just, you're not hurting anybody. It's just carry my stuff, Rook. You know? Um, right. And exactly what she said here, it's getting out of hand. It's correct. The same thing with. Uh, uh, what are they, not sexual abuse, but uh, sexual harassment. Yes. By, like, fourth graders. Or they charge a, a fourth grader with sexual... You're a, come on, parent of the person. <laughs> parent of the child. You're an idiot. Yeah. You're an idiot for saying that a fourth grader or a third grader is sexually harassing your child. They you don't know, know what? what that is. Take your kid out of school and crawl in a hole. That's what you should do. <laughs> Because you're not strong enough to be a part of society. I'm sure Texas Troll has a uh, cave that they could go into. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Matt Garhoff makes a good point. He says, we're describing pranks, and he's been actually hazed. And it's not pleasant. It's not funny. Yeah. uh, Understood. There's a a line there somewhere where it goes from being funny to being serious. For sure. I think anything that's degrading to somebody is wrong. And that could be... Me having to fold your laundry could be degrading to me, and somebody else could be like, oh, okay, I just have to do this for the senior. You know what I'm saying? Like those, it just depends. I don't know. There's no answer to it. Well, yeah, but it, it, the line is somewhere way away from folding the laundry or carrying the laundry. No, I, I, no I totally agree. I agree. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this gets resolved and how the NFL deals with this, because you know it's going on in a lot of locker rooms. Oh, Not to that extent. For sure, for sure, for sure. But we'll see what the blowback is and see what the larger conversation that gets Well, you've seen on hard rocks when the guys are getting... Duff- taped to the goalposts? Taped to the goalposts and stuff. <laughs> see, that's funny. You tape somebody to the goalposts. That's funny. Yeah. No, nobody's hurt. No. The goalpost doesn't feel violated. Unless they tape them there and then everybody uses him as the tackling dummy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a problem. But just taping somebody to a goalpost is funny. We pull pranks on friends all the time. Somebody leaving a creepy doll by my by my door is not funny. When I walk outside and I think of Chucky and someone's going to cut my Achilles tendons, I don't think that's funny. It's funny for me thinking about it. It's funny. I saw something online the other day. There was a guy sitting at a bus stop, and there was like uh, a little billboard right next to the you know you sit in the glass case and they have an advertisement right there. Yeah. Well, the advertisement was a piece of paper and like a like a short person. Chucky dress up like came running through it and scared the person sitting at the bus stop. It was hilarious. I love that. The bad grandpa stuff. I want to see bad nope, grandpa. Can't do it. Yeah, you can't do that. No. But I, I think that's just funny. Can't do it. Not hurt anybody. Just freaking them out. Yeah, the bad grandpa is making just making people feel uncomfortable. Right, yeah, you but, can't sit through two hours of making people feel uncomfortable. But there's a difference between making somebody feel uncomfortable and offending their their soul. Correct. And damaging their person. I'm with you on that. 100%. And damaging their professional life, which apparently is what's going on here with Cognito and, 
And uh, Jonathan yeah. Wilson, what is the last name? Something. Jonathan something. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. It'll be interesting to see how it gets handled. And, oh, the, the public outcry. The public needs to know. Who's this public that needs to know and is always offended? That's what I want to know. Who is this public? And why is this public so easily offended? It's kind of like the we and they. Well, they said this. Well, who is they? Who is they? Yeah. <laughs> who are they? Who are these? Well, that's just what people say. Well, who are those people? Yeah, who are those people? <laughs> <laughs> Remember somebody saying, if you have an opposite-sex child, you should no longer shower with them after the age of two. I was like, who says that? What idiot says that? Well, and like, where, like, who, what were they looking at? They're like, okay, here's the cutoff. Yeah. Like, right. Like, I can't really speak on whether on that because I have no children. I have children. That I'm aware of. I still shower with my boys. But, like, like where's that rule? I don't know. No, it, I think as long as they're not still breastfeeding at the age of 12, they should be all right. <laughs> we have, a, Just we have a relative yeah, who was still breastfeeding her child last year. I forget how old her son was, but it was very uncomfortable for everyone involved. He was driving. He was standing there getting... Breastfed. You're Standing. like, yeah, and grabbing the boobie. It's like, dude, right. dude, you, this is, and it, so I swear to God, she comes back for Thanksgiving again this year and it's still breastfeeding. I'm leaving. <laughs> I am not easily offended, but I will be outside. It's just weird. And believe me, I'm down with all kinds of stuff, but I, uh, that's just weird. I, Kevin, do you want some? Nope, I'm out. <laughs> we haven't even had the stuffing. Nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's just, You're leaving your family. Yeah, I'm out. Oh, yeah. That's really funny. Oh, Manzi. It's no wonder you didn't get to date. Um, yeah, it's it, stuff like that. I don't know. It, it's very situational. Very situational. Not the breastfeeding. But Not the, that one. Yeah. The hazing. The breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's awesome. Well, there goes the whole show. Yeah. There's the topic right there. I want to make sure we say happy birthday to Ralph Macchio. Oh, 54. Karate Kid was on this weekend. I wonder if that's why. Maybe. Maybe. If you have not been to SweepTheLeg.com, you should go right now and you should watch their their music video. SweepTheLeg.com has a music video that is fantastic. If you are a fan. Yeah! This movie is so bad. It's so bad. The All-Valley Karate Championship. Like, I was watching it, and I forgot that Elizabeth Shue was the girl in it. She's cute. She's, I love Elizabeth Shue. First of all, her, back to the future her face too. hasn't changed one bit. No, she looks fantastic. Um, she doesn't look anything like she's that the older best Elizabeth Shue. actor in, in that future. movie. Everybody yeah. else is awful. Mr. Miyagi's not good. It's not that he's not good, but the character's so cheesy and stereotypical that, like, I didn't know if I could get into it. When he does the whole, rubs his hands together and like fixes his knee and fixes his shoulder, like I remember doing that as a kid, just as a joke. But it's, it's so bad, Kevin. It is so bad. Where was that when I had a torn meniscus? I could have healed it right up. If that's all it took, I would learn that technique and heal a lot of things that are wrong with me right now. <laughs> oh. This is another one of the fantastic, terrible films. I love the skeleton outfits. I mean, it's just there's scene after scene you can think of. Did you see Matt Gardhoff's uh, comment? <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't had a collage in a while, Gardhoff. We've been throwing out material like you wouldn't believe. I can't oh, even remember. Man. But I know that half the stuff I say, the, the, all of a sudden I'm thinking collage. 
And, and Gardhoff is busy with High, Wide, and Handsome. He just has other things to do. And he made, uh, did you see the photo online of his daughter's Halloween outfit? <laughs> if it has nipples, it can it, be milked. <laughs> can you milk me, Greg? Can you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the teat. The teat. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? That, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, my all-time favorite. Uh, first of all, Gardhoff's outfit was great, too. I hope the mustache was real. I hope he took the time to grow it out. All right, I'll have to look. You have to look on Facebook. I'll, I'll look during the break and, and figure it out. Yeah, easy, uh, easy KCVB. Call Whitney Pavlik a whore. Yeah, we're used to, I don't think we want to W word. That's a big difference. Slut yeah. and whore, two different things, everybody. Yeah, you're getting paid. Yeah, exactly. No one says Whitney. Well, wait, she did win prize money. No. Never mind. Oh, no. <laughs> Whitney, I still like you. I will quit the show if it means that our friendship will be intact. If people can't have a sense of humor in this sport, then we should just quit this entire broadcast. Oh, we should quit then. If we can't be funny, we should just be done with the show. Uh, I mean, you have four partners in three months. Who's a rebound? I mean, you had Emily Day. Then you rebounded with April Ross, apparently. That ended badly. She played with Emily where? Huh? Whitney Pavlik did? I don't know. It's just what I'm, I'm probably reading what you wrote BVB down. info wrong again. It's probably like that one I'm time doing. that you said April played with uh, Summer. Uh, I, Summer. I was on the wrong page entirely. <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. Maybe I oh, because it pushes me back to the other year. Hold on a second. There's the AVP. She played with Carrie, obviously. Pavlik and then she played, played with Annette Davis. Sega. Yeah, here no the Hague. Here it is. 2013 partner Emily Day at the Hague. And then in Rome as well, before she went to April Ross for Poland, and then Annette Davis for Long Beach. Am I on the right page? Yeah. I don't know, Kevin. She definitely played with Nettie. Okay. Carrie. Yeah, because she played with Nettie at Long Beach. Then in Berlin, it says she played with Emily. This is BBB info. I'm, I think I'm on the right page. And BBB is the gospel. It is. I, it, it only wasn't that one day because I messed it up, not because BBB was wrong. Correct. But, yeah, according to here, I have... Four partnerships. April Ross has three. Well, beach volleyball, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, even... Why, I don't know why you're so surprised. Even How by, many different uh, players did you play with on the national team? Yeah. We went through it one time. Let's talk about that. Yeah. 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 50. You, you are a whore. I got around. Yeah. <laughs> you are a whore, sir. Well, actually, I stayed around. It's more like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, break on the other side. We're going to have Nick Lucena coming on the show. It'll be a quick break because he's in the queue. Well, then... Cue it up. Play some Electronica, Dead Mouse, or we're gonna go right Skrillex. to him. Let's go right to him. You you really? Yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, unless yeah, you're not forget ready. Forget the break. We'll go to the break after. I was hoping to hear some more about this uh, this dark dark summer. What is it called? Hard fest, Kevin. Hard fest. Day day. Hard summer. Yeah. Hard summer, man. Look it up. Hard summer. Got to be there next year. Um, All right, you're doing the introduction here, right? No. No. I mean, oh, well, you know what we could do? We could just play Nick's intro song. And I wish we had like a video camera. He was because he would be getting so fired up right now. Just let me know when you're ready. It's when Monday. Maybe he's tired. No, I doubt it. Hold on. I'm looking it up here. i make sure I get it right or wrong. <laughs> Whichever. Well, Matt Gardoff made a good point. In TNL, you had Reed, and you had uh, Dan, then you had Geeter, and you had me. You get around, Kevin. Yeah. And there's been other people in there, too. I've, <laughs> I've dallied around with Jay. Yeah. And uh, also Rosenthal. Kelly. Rosenthal. Yeah. yeah. Dustin Abel. 
Oh, he's handsome. You're a whore, Kevin. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Aval's handsome. Everyone can see how that happened. <laughs> Sean Manzi said you might want to get tested. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the volleyball STD that you could get from talking with too many people in the sport? Interesting. It'd be crabs for sure because you're in the sand. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fine point. Are you ready? Yep. I, I'm going to string this together, I guess. Okay. What? He came out of Florida, right? Oh, yeah. Clearwater, man. Just say he loves Florida State, and that would be his intro. He's already fired up right now, just us talking about it. Just the Seminoles? Yeah. That's all it is? I'm going. This guy has five tournament victories, as far as I can tell, on BVB Info, with three different partners, Phil Donhauser, Matt Furbringer, and Theodore Bruner. He's been a competitive volleyball athlete since 2001. That's 12 years, if you're counting. AVP's best defensive player, 2008. AVP's most improved player, 2008. Too bad the tour left him behind, but nobody told him. He's hung in there and come right back, playing all kinds of different events with different partners, getting it done as a professional. He's picked up now Theodore Bruner, one of the young guns out there, and they've made a run this year. Please welcome to the Net Live. We're not sure for the first time or second time, Nick Lucena. Hey, thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> Nick, is this your first trip on this program? No, I think uh, it's my second. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We can't remember. I said I can't be held responsible for five years' worth of programming, whether we talk to somebody or not. No, I I actually stuck on uh, a couple years back. You guys weren't even expecting me. I just called. Just just wanted to be a part of it. Even better. Perfect. Excellent. (laughs) Well, hey, Nick, thanks for joining us here today. And uh, just give us... uh, kind of where you're at in your professional career. Everybody knows all the issues Beach has had. Uh, how are you making it work? How do you feel about the sport? What are your plans? Oh, that's, um, that's a lot. Uh, my plans as of now are uh, uh, Rio 2016. Uh, Good. And I'm going to play with uh, Theo moving forward. I had a decision to make uh, between Ryan and Theo and um, – I got to play an international event with uh, Ryan Doherty in Brazil, and uh, and Ryan was—I mean, he was a great, great partner for that tournament. Uh, I actually enjoyed playing with him a, a bunch. But uh, Theo and I had a good uh, ABP season together, and um, I felt like uh, I felt like we had good chemistry, and, and we could get better uh, moving forward, even with like an off season. So, um, so we decided to play together, and we're going to see what happens next year. <laughs> Was so right the now, Ryan year by year? Nick, was the was the Ryan thing uh, kind of like an audition? Because I had heard that you know Theo, like you guys were kind of looking around. Possibly, I heard rumors that Theo might play with Todd and stuff like that. And then when you and Ryan went international, Ryan got his best finish with a fifth internationally up to that point. Um, so was that kind of like a trial for him and you? Well, we uh, we had talked about it uh, earlier in the season about playing. Uh, uh, flip flopping just partners right before I think the AVP season even started. So um, Theo was originally going to play with Todd in Beijing, but then they canceled Beijing, and then uh, Brazil uh, still was going on. So Brian and I played that tournament, and um, and yeah, we did uh, pretty well. It was his best finish, and uh, and which made uh, you know next year and and moving forward a little bit more difficult, but. Um, it was definitely a way better position than I was at the beginning of the year when, when Burby retired and there were no blockers and I ended up picking up John, uh, Johnny H bomb. So, uh, 
So it wasn't a tryout, man. I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen next year, but uh, I definitely wanted to see what it was like playing with him. And yeah. he's got just a ton of upside, and he's a really good volleyball player and has a great attitude. And, and I thought, um, you know, he, he's going to do well moving forward. And how did the partnership with Theo come about? Because Theo was playing, you know, a very high level overseas in Italy and then just somehow kind of showed up on the beach and you guys were, all, you know, a threat to win every single tournament this year. Yeah, actually, um, I, I work out out there where, where the indoor team works out at the ASC in Anaheim. And uh, for about three months, I was trying to recruit every single indoor player to switch over to <laughs> <laughs> Every Smart. single day at, at, at the gym. <laughs> and... Uh, and I actually asked Theo, I was like, because uh, I remember him playing in 2010 um, with Aaron Mansfield. Uh, so I asked him if he was going to go back to the beach, and he, he said he was actually thinking about it. And right then and there, I was like, well, let's let's get some practices uh, going. And I think we practiced maybe twice, and then um, maybe about two weeks before the ABC season started. And so, I mean, there really was uh, – not that many uh, blockers around, so uh, I committed to him pretty early, and um, and you know we figured it would be uh, a tough uh, tough season, and actually we did a lot better than I thought we were going to do, and uh, I thought Theo did really well under the circumstances. So Nick, that's kind of how it all. Do you, do you have to specialize nowadays? Do you have to have a blocker? Because it seems like with you and John, that's almost a team of equals. That's almost a split blocking team. Is, is that yeah. something that could be successful in today's environment, or do you feel like it has to be a specialized defender and blocker? Well, I think, uh, no, no, you can have actually, I think what you can have is two defenders blocking. That's for sure. Uh, so John and I are more of on the smaller side, so we, are, we weren't good blockers whatsoever. Uh, but, like, now the Dutch team and um, the bigger the bigger uh, international teams both specialize in uh, blocking and uh, defense. So you, you're seeing bigger defenders for sure at 6'7", 6'8", and doing a lot of split blocking. And, and it works. I mean, it works. But uh, I think um, – the better and more consistent team definitely have a, a big blocker and a, and, a, and a defender. So I don't know if that answers but, your question, but I yeah, can't but, tell you that it was it was hard as a defender to, <laughs> to block, uh, you know, the the tougher team. So. Yeah, if we're gonna stick you up there at six one trying to block Phil. That's not really in your favor many times, is it? Not uh, many times at all. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my one uh, glory is uh, blocking Allison for mat for for match in uh, Long Beach. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but uh, every every once in a while, you know, they'll hit really low and really uh, <laughs> really uh, into your hands. So it works. Yeah, so, something about a broken clock, I think, is what I remember. I I see yeah, exactly. on here, <laughs> if the info is to be believed, you had four partners this year. Uh, you start you start out with Brad Keenan a couple of times. Yeah, I played a few events with Bradley, um, and then John Hyden, and then Theo. So three. I, I could be. Oh no, and then Ryan for that one. And then Ryan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we were talking about that kind of the, the multiple partner switches we've seen with a lot of top players, both on the men's and women's side, and wondering if 
that was really unusual. I mean, one year out from the Olympics, we see a lot of partner experimentation, but this seemed like even more than I remember in years past. I think um, Matt Furbringer and Sean Scott both retiring kind of threw a, a loop into the whole partnership deal. That took two of the best four blockers out of the game. Um, so you had a lot of people scrambling, uh, trying to pick up, you know, some some sort of blocker. And, and, and Brad's been playing for a while, but um, but uh, I decided to try and learn as much as I could from John Hyden. I just know, you know, he's been one of the best side out players and defenders for as long as I've been playing. And so um, when I asked him to play and if he traveled overseas, you know, he, he said, yeah. And, and uh, he just said that uh, we both had to grind it out as long as we could and, and for this season. And, you know, and hope, hopefully next year things will be better. And actually, John picked up try, and I thought turned him into a really good side out and block blocker uh, on the AVP tour. And I was pretty fortunate to, to pick up Theo. So uh, there definitely was a lot more shuffling than normal, but uh, it's the first time I think uh, since I can remember uh, that a lot of the big guys kind of just uh, stopped playing all of a sudden. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you brought that point of about those two guys leaving and what, what that can do to the partnerships. Uh, I also wonder for you in this year, as we've talked to a bunch of beach volleyball athletes over the last three or four years, how you're solving the economic side of things, the need to, to make a living at doing beach volleyball. How is it working out for you? What else are you into besides beach and training and being a professional player? Dude, it's... Uh difficult it really is and i have like i just have a six-month-old son and um and which makes it a little bit more uh stressful but uh we're pretty fortunate to have a domestic tour right now um without that you know it would be even more about last three years of relying on the fibb and uh and maybe a handful of uh domestic events but with the abp coming back um it definitely helps your situation financially but yeah, unless you're, you know, one of the top two players um, in the world, you know, you're really not doing well or, or, or making that great of a living uh, without sponsors and just relying on uh, prize money. So hopefully the AVP, you know, continues to grow and and, um, and the prize money continues to grow and, and kind of just been grinding it out this year and uh, kind of hoping, you know, the sport gets bigger and, and more opportunities to make money happens uh so that's basically what it is it, it is a grind and now the off season and and you do kind of look at other options as a way of making money otherwise you just look at your savings account is dwindle <laughs> uh week by week so uh it's a it's a sad uh <laughs> it's pretty sad come march time so. nick talking about the avp um obviously you were around before it went under in 2010 and this year I told people, I kept telling people I felt like volleyball had to start over again. And for the really first full season back for the AVP, I thought they did a really good job and put on solid events. What was it like from a player's perspective? Um, it was uh, refreshing uh, as far as playing again um, domestically and playing on the AVP. And I think the AVP's atmosphere is, is a lot more relaxing and more fun than playing overseas. Like it's, it's just two completely different um, tours as far as the FIVB and the AVP. 
and the AVP AVP is like it's more exciting and uh, it was really great, you know, coming back and being able to play California events and going back to Florida to play and um, it's uh, kind of gets you hopeful for for what can happen in the future, you know, in the next uh, three years and um, and I'm looking forward to the, the AVP growing and and having more events. So uh, it definitely was uh, like a breath of fresh air. So I'm excited. I thought it was a great year. I thought they they put on some really good events and uh, and hoping you know it gets better uh, next year. What was it like? Um, you made it to the finals in Florida, and then all of a sudden the uh, the floodgates opened. And as soon as I saw you sprint to the players' tent, I knew it was time. For me. I knew it was time for me to go. You were from Florida. You saw the weather. As soon as you started running, I was like, oh, that's my cue. Um, what was it like <laughs> making the finals there and then having to finish it in California? It was uh, it was awkward. I saw that the storm coming, and um, if it wasn't for my son being around, I would have tried to finish it out. I'd be like, come on, it's just a little wind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about the lightning. But uh, it was um, it was kind of a was the most – I guess a uh, weird situation I've ever been in to, to have to sit out two weeks. I think we sat out before yeah. starting it right back at 11:10, and you know I think that that match in Santa Barbara lasted maybe seven minutes, and you didn't know whether you got really amped for it or, or, or how to prepare because the next day you had to start a brand new tournament over um, yeah. in Santa Barbara, and so. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting situation for us to be in, and uh, I didn't think I prepared right for it, and we ended up taking last place in Santa Barbara. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not blaming it on the that final, but it's pretty uh, like because you get because if you win, then you're excited. But we lost that final. You know, you, you played seven minutes, ended up losing overall, and then you know you get that feeling when you lose, you get pretty frustrated, and you somehow got to shut that out and start over and uh, play a whole new tournament the next day. It, so it was uh, it was a little difficult for, for me, but, uh, I mean, you know, it, uh, it was a good situation, I guess, no matter what, because uh, we had the opportunity to win two tournaments in four days. And, you know, not, 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 that doesn't happen too often. But, unfortunately, we were on the bad side of that. But Jake and uh, Casey got to win two tournaments in four days, so it was a good, tur- good uh, weekend for them. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, oh, I was just going to ask about the sponsor. You you brought up sponsor issues before, trying to get sponsors, and and how is that situation going? Who are your current sponsors that are with you, and and who are you targeting? Oh, as far as uh, financial sponsors, I, I have zero. Um, nothing. Uh, no one giving money. I've had you know some sponsors that give product out. Um, but uh, it's been hard, especially with no domestic tour over the past three years, so um, and no TV for for volleyball really. So right now we're starting from scratch, and hopefully, I can't say I'm targeting anyone. You know, it's like uh, um, we we won the last tournament, so we're kind of hoping we have some sort of pool over maybe picking up sponsors. But right now, you know, we're we're we still have to play a handful of North Seikos left to try and get some international points for Theo, and. Um, we're really focusing on that, and then hopefully at the end of the season, you know, we can try marketing ourselves and picking up anyone. You know, it doesn't matter <laughs> who it is. You're not picky when, uh, you know, if you have to rely on that as a source of income, you know, you'll take uh, anyone. But it's a tough, a tough, 
sport to to sell. I mean, we haven't been around domestically for three years, really. So it's kind of uh, yeah, I don't know where to start. What role is USAV playing for you guys on the beach nowadays? I, I think they're um, they've been playing a big role as far as financially. I mean, they've been uh, if you, you're the top eight athlete, you know, you're getting a stipend and they're keeping you afloat basically. Uh, um, they help you out, travel with travel, and uh, and they're they're playing a big role, I think, and hopefully. I think they continue to do that, and and I know they're trying to grow the sport. Uh, so um, it's helped me out over the last three years. They've helped me out big time with uh, with coaching, a place to work out, and um, and some funding. So so uh, from my experience, USAV has been uh, been really good, and um, hopefully moving forward, you know, they'll they'll be even better. Yeah, help put people understand when you go to an FIVB tournament. What's out of pocket for you? Who's picking up the bill for you to attend that event? Um, well, you're purchasing your flights uh, yourself. You know, uh, USAV will reimburse you some amount of money. Uh, it usually doesn't cover the whole flight, but um, as long as you maintain a main draw, uh, if you're in the main draw or you're still in the tournament, you get hotel and food pretty much uh, taken care of. Um, you okay. have to pay for any hotel or food. You know, say you get to a tournament three days early, uh, you know, you got to take care of that yourself. Um, and But once you're out of the tournament, it's like, get out. You, <laughs> you guys got to find your own place to stay now. So that's why it's pretty important to to last as long as possible, uh, you know, in that tournament. Because if not, you know, say there's back-to-back-to-back tournaments, those three days that you're not playing, four days you're not playing, you know, you got to kind of cover the bill yourself. So, it's um the prize money overseas is a little better uh you know so if you take better finishes you're making more money but it definitely costs more to play overseas for sure so yeah if you lose out of a tournament and you're waiting around for the next tournament do you have to have a contingency plan that says all right if we lose on day one or day two or day three or uh, how difficult is it to plan for that process yeah it's uh it is difficult. I've kind of learned to um, plan as far as, especially if, if you're flying back, because um, I plan that we're going to be out of the tournament earlier than later, because uh, say you're playing in, in in Switzerland and you lose on Friday and your flight's not till, or you lose on Thursday and your flight's not till Sunday, you're stuck there kind of those three days and everything's out of pocket and, and you're still, you know, you want to be home. So I plan on kind of booking my flight on Friday, if we make it to Saturday, then, you know, I can change my flight, and that's a, it's a positive thing, because I'm making more money, and, uh, and uh, you know, you're still in the event, but it, it is, uh, it's kind of hit and miss, and you can never really plan perfectly for it, you're kind of on the fly uh, for a lot of things, you know, a lot of people have uh, airline agents and stuff like that to kind of help them with their booking and changing flights, and, and other than that, you're you're on kayak and booking.com trying to find hotels and trying to find you know the cheapest place you can uh you can you can get <laughs> so you're listening you're listening to net live we're talking to pro beach level athlete nick lucena and nick i look here you're 34 years old you've been at this a long time tell us about some of the changes you've seen as far as volleyball training and volleyball preparation and some of the the body maintenance things that have come about in the last few years it seems like there's been kind of a titanic shift 
inside professional athletics uh, of all kinds in the last five to eight years? Yeah, I mean, when I first started playing in 2003, I mean, all we did was try and find games, like, with anyone. Uh, just play as many as much beach volleyball as you could. And, and definitely you learned, or I learned, you know, the longer I played, you had to maintain, you know, your body and lifting. Like, that's more of a priority now than, than actually practicing. I, I rely, you know, a lot on my experience and um, my practice uh you know, what I've done in the past, but you have to maintain a, a level of uh, fitness for sure, especially the older I get. So um, that's more of a priority now than it's ever been. And, I, and I'm starting to see that with uh, a lot of players. And and, and practices kind of, uh, when you get in that preseason mode or, or uh, even now, you know, we still have two events to play, uh, but there's, you know, maybe two or three teams that are willing to practice because, you know, people are done. When I could remember when we first started playing, you know, there was a bunch of teams that just always wanted to play. So it is difficult to kind of find uh, some games, especially that the, the tour was kind of um, not around for three years. So uh, so it's now it's more you have a coach that's helping you, uh, um, and it's just not what it was when I first started, where all you did was play games. Like, we just tons of matches, and... Uh, it's different, but uh, you know, I feel like now it's more structured, and um, and I actually like uh, like the way it is uh, now. Nick, makes, uh, yeah, yeah. At the age you're at, obviously you're focused on 2016. But have you given any thought to what your life looks like after volleyball? At whatever point that ends, I have, and um, I've been thinking about actually going, uh, maybe get my master's. Uh, you know, the off-season, you can start online. And, and into coaching, with women's volleyball, beach volleyball, uh, taking off at the universities, uh, that's something I'm I'm really interested in, in doing um, and in pursuing. I think it's, a, it's an opportunity for players and uh, especially that love to, to coach or, 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 or help, you know, kids learn about the sport. I mean, that's something I thought about doing and, um, you know, it's kind of where I'm looking at, especially – once I found out Florida State was one of the first teams to pick up beach volleyball, I was like, that's my goal, just to go back and uh, <laughs> and coach there. I'd love to be a part of that university and, and to help out. And uh, But I think that's where it's leaning. I think um, beach volleyball is going to grow uh, in, in, at the university, and it's going to give a lot of opportunities for athletes to, to, to help out with that. Dana Lee Corso, you can hire Nick Lucena yeah. right now with the right offer. Can you, uh, can you imagine? I, I let her know. <laughs> can you imagine Nick coaching at the collegiate level, and then the referee make a bad call, and Nick starts throwing things at the referee? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be very tough to <laughs> to do. But uh, I mean, look at Bobby Knight; he was able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As long as you don't, as long as you don't beat your your own athletes, I think you're fine. You can you can berate the ref; that's fine. Just don't do anything to your own athletes. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Nick, Nick, thanks very much for spending some time with us. Good luck in the upcoming years as you push toward Rio. We will uh, keep an eye on you. Make sure you get back here on the show and visit again. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having uh, me on, man. I, I enjoy the show, and, and it, it was really fun, uh, fun, fun to be on. So you guys have a good uh, day, and you know, go Florida State. We're number two in the BCS. Don't sleep on us.
<laughs> Florida State is right, definitely guys. back. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys. All right, see you. Nick Later. Lucena checking in. The Greyhound. The Greyhound? Why is he the Greyhound? Because he looks like, cause you know how like Greyhounds are so thin and lean, like you can see all their ribs? Yeah. You can see all Nick's ribs. That's Nick. And it's not because he's too skinny. It's just how he's built. Right. He's and just he's a lean dude. extremely quick. All right. Greyhound. I like that. Yeah, the Greyhound. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, interesting talking with Nick. Yeah, four partners. So many partners he couldn't remember. Only, yeah. Well, one, <laughs> like, he had a one-off with Ryan. Well, yeah, I mean, but that counts. That counts. That's, you know, sometimes you have a one-night stand or a one-weekend stand. Here we go. And uh, I'm just, I'm kind of going over the financials here, and I, I hate to beat this point to death. We know that these guys are, are working hard to stay of, with of the sport they love. Of course. But, man, I hate hearing that he has no sponsors that pay any money. Well, I hate hearing that. Yeah, of I, course. And, and every time we have somebody on here, it seems like that. And Nick is a high-quality player. This is a guy who's winning tournaments in finals, competitive athlete in the sport, and no sponsors. Well, not only that, too, but he's a personality as well. Yeah, it's like not he, You watch because he's out there, like, when throwing things at the refs, like, he's not throwing them at them to hurt them, but, like, he'll throw his hat at the referee stand, like... He's putting on a show. He will get in your face, which I find highly entertaining. So it's not like he's boring out there and sponsors would look at him and be like, oh, no, we can't have you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every time I hear that, I'm just kind of dismayed at the the future of the sport. Uh, I know that right now the AVP is great, and the fact that they're there and providing Nick the opportunity to win prize money is fantastic. I think he took home $30,000 in prize money from the AVP this year, according to BVB, which is good. $42,000 in prize money this year, along with a stipend from USAV. And, yeah, you're getting by. Yeah, you're getting by. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? When you look at these numbers, I mean, okay, he has career earnings of 610000 Well, that's a fun number, except if you average it over 12 years. Yeah, but you also realize at first, too, I mean, he probably had sponsors in some of those years, too, when we were on TV and things like that. And a lot of that, at the beginning, was just domestic. He wasn't playing internationally. Yeah, but still, it's only like fifty k a year. Yep. Then you can also look at it as he's getting paid to play beach volleyball. Absolutely. What I want for these folks is more money. I want I of want course. them to have more options than than just hey I got to go out and get a real job. But I, I'm glad to hear uh, Nick excited about collegiate sand. That is a very exciting thing for a lot of folks. Well, I like that you asked that question because he is definitely coming to the end of his career, not because his talent level is. He's 34. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> it happens to everybody. Yeah, physics eventually comes into play. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he is thinking about it, you know? Yeah, it's a delicate balance because you need to think about it a little bit, but at the same time, you should think about what you're doing in front of you. It's a weird deal. And I've said this before in our discussions about how people treat athletes. Yeah. And if you're an accountant why, and you're there being an accountant, but you mm-hmm. all of a sudden start having to plan to be a landscape architect... Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's my – I think about that, too. Like, you're playing at an extremely high level, and to play at that high level, you need to focus extremely hard to maintain that level. Right. Um, Michael Jordan probably thought about basketball 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At one point, did he start thinking about what's going to happen after basketball? He obviously didn't need to worry about it as much because of the money situation, but – like, you're, if you're Reed Pretty, you're playing at a high level, you're trying to go for the Olympics, but you know you're coming to the end. How does that focus affect your, is your, that focus affect your play at all? Because now you're not necessarily 100% focused on the sport. 
Yeah, it's, and, and people fault athletes all the time for, oh, you don't have a backup plan, or you know, you didn't plan for the well, You're not planning for the future in your life, are you? You're a school teacher. You planning next year to switch careers? I mean, all of a sudden, you're not going to be able to be a school teacher. You're going to struggle just the same. And you've seen that. People get laid off. They struggle just the same to try and reinvent themselves if they don't have an actual plan B. Not You can't be a high-level anything and focus on something else. Correct. If, like, tomorrow somebody said, you can't be a DJ anymore, I don't know what I would do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Figure that one out. I would tell Nicole she better get a really high-paying job. Yeah. <laughs> you better produce Glee. Yes, exactly. Uh, then you'd be all right. Exactly. You're one of the executive producers yeah. of Glee. Yeah. That would be fine. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's always an interesting double standard to me when people treat athletes that way, that they adore them. And that was one of my complaints with the USOC and their their program of – trying to prep athletes for life after athletics. You yeah. go, well, what you should do is pay for school for five years afterwards. That's what you should do. Because they have a program where you, oh, you're supposed to take classes or you have to work on this or you can work on that while you're an athlete. Like, yeah, that's a nice idea. Do you think some people don't get it, especially in the administration side, because they weren't, an, like, they weren't that high-level athlete at one point? Like, you think somebody like... Karch, who's coaching the women's team, gets it a little bit because he went through all of that. He knows what those girls are going through on some level. Yeah. I I mean, school's possible. It would just take a really focused and determined person at the age of 22 to 30. Well, let's be honest. To understand how to focus on their their job at hand and do the best job they can at that while also prepping for another job. Well, let's be honest. Not all athletes are really that focused on school. Because they've been an athlete their whole life. So that's my point is when you then give them an opportunity once they're finished and they get a look at the nightmare afterwards and the problems they're going to have, then that's when they need the support. Yeah. Well, that's why, like Nick said, he was thinking about going back to get his master's. And, can, you know, he could say he could start doing that, some of that in the off season. You can. And, and those opportunities are more now because you can do online courses, everything Correct. online. Yeah, when yeah, I yeah. started with a national team, you couldn't do no, anything no, no. online. No. You had to be at school. Unless it was University of Phoenix, in which case you made you had to book your it. plane tickets by the phone. I almost called uh, Sally Struthers and got my degree in TV VCR repair or in accounting. Awesome. What was the number of that truck driving school, truck masters or something? I've always thought about going to DeVry. <laughs> <laughs> you missed my Top Gun reference. Come on, Jeremy. Oh, my what was, bad. What was the name of that school? Truck masters. Truck masters. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We were giving up foreign relations. Goose Maverick, get in here. <laughs> That's great. Let's take a short break. Play us some electronica here, because I'm going next year. I will be seen at Hard Summer next year. Are you sure, Kevin? I will put. uh, You'll be you'll be the you'll be the tallest person there. I will put electrical tape on my nipples and wear a dead mouse hat. It'll be awesome. (sighs) That, Mitch. There you go, guard off. Put that in your collage and Uh, smoke it. That is not what the kids wanted to hear. (laughs) I'm tired of the show being constrained by the. The, uh, I don't know. No, you're out. Nah, I, don't, I don't even care. I don't want to be constrained. I'm tired. We'll be right back. Brandon Rosenthal, Deb Static. We don't lose we our think. listeners with the electronic music. Calling in. Right back.
Affordable ticket prices now available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. It is coming quick. Don't forget that Seattle is going to be hosting that. Boy, you, if you're going to go to a Final Four, go to the one in Seattle, man. That city is fantastic. It's right up there with San Fran. I could go to San Fran and just eat for days. Same in Seattle. Just restaurant after restaurant that I want to go and eat something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'm clipping that. I don't know why, but it was awesome. That's how today's show has gone, really. Let's bring in our correspondents. Let's fire up the music for our segment, one of the longest running on this show, and it's five years, supported by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. This is the College Volleyball Weekly, a weekly recap of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college volleyball. Of course, with Seattle looming, we may need to start talking about playoffs, playoff and RPI. We have our correspondents, Deb Static and Brandon Rosenthal, on the line to give us the lowdown on how it's all going to shake out, or at least Deb can do that normally. Brandon, he has the suspect record. We will. Deb can only do that when she actually calls in at the right time. That is a fine point, Deb Static. Welcome back. <laughs> How's it going? All right, so we missed your picks last week. Uh, even though we, we noted on the show earlier, you had lots of great information. It just was an hour late, but no worries on that. So Brandon took over, and he had the Utah-Washington match. He picked Washington, which meant you, which meant you got Utah. So uh, Washington won that one. And then Florida taking on Texas A&M, and he took Florida, which meant you got Texas A&M. So you lost that one, too. Two losses on the weekend, unfortunate for you. But that brings Brandon back to 9-9. Nine and nine. 
He is at 500. You're at 12 and 6. How do you feel about that? I'm NCAA eligible now. Eligible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main goal, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all about getting in the tournament. And then the magic happens. For sure. Anything <laughs> happens once postseason starts. I love it. Well, let's think about that postseason. I kind of want both your comments on this. We'll start with, with Brandon. UCLA out here is in a weird situation because in conference, they're terrible. The record is 3-9, and nine, but they remain RPI eligible as long as they can stay at 500 or better. Is that a good thing, Brandon? You know, we've had – you and I have had this conversation. I don't think it is. I think that if, you know, you're going to play – two-thirds of your season in conference, and if you can't get it done in conference, I'm talking about if you can't be 500 in conference, I, I just don't see how that promotes, you know, uh, the conference play. I mean, I don't know, I don't understand that. I, why don't we just all just ditch the conferences and then just all play each other? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think that uh, you've got to be able to do something within your conference. 500 is not something that uh, I think is too much to ask for a team. Uh, they still might be one of the better teams when you compare, but, you know, it's just not their year. And, uh, yeah, it's, I have a problem with it. Right, I think we're going to see some teams that are in these super tough conferences that are just barely making the tournament based on that 500 thing. I'm thinking about um, – you know, Michigan and specific is a pretty strong team that may or may not squeak out that 500 um, Michigan State. And because they perform so poorly in conference, we're going to see them with pretty low or unseated going into the tournament. So they're going to cause some headaches for teams, you know, if they get them in the first round because they might not look like they're all that strong. But if they're able to break out of these conferences, they're going to they're gonna give some teams some issues, even if they're unseated, haven't really gotten that recognition for how good they are on the national radar. Yeah, I mean, Brandon, part of my problem with this is that it's not necessarily rewarding folks for failing in their conference. I don't, I don't have a problem with that if you play in a hard conference. What my problem is is you, you take out teams that perhaps went 27-4 and four and then lost in their conference final and their conference only has the one AQ to get in, and now you have a team that's 27-5 and five on the year, some crazy number, and they don't get in the tournament at the expense of someone who is just above 500 and well below 500 in their conference, despite the fact that it's a difficult conference, you can't control who plays in your conference necessarily, unless you're at an FBS school, but you cannot control who's in your conference. You can only beat your competition. You do that, but yet you don't get the reward off the end. That's where I struggle with the latter part of the teams in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 getting in. Yeah, you know, and I'll take it a step further, kind of Deb hinted towards this. You know, let's say a UCLA does get in, and let's, you know, take a smaller school that has a great season and, you know, gets the AQ and whatnot. All of a sudden, they're matched up against the UCLA. So, you know, that's their reward. Their reward is going up against, you know, a, a fairly tough team. It just – you know, in, in a tournament that they don't seed all 64 teams, it really causes problems all over the place. And, you know, the the comment always by the NCAA is it's about the student, you know, experience and this, that, and the other. Well, what about the, the student experience or student-athlete experience, like you mentioned? You know, they go and... <clears throat> 
you know, they have two or three losses outside of conference and then no losses in conference and go and have, you know, an unbelievable season. Like you said, they can't do anything, the student-athletes can't do anything about what other teams that they play within the conference except win. And they go and do that and then, you know, whether they lose in the finals and don't get rewarded for that or, uh, you know, they do win and get you know, UCLA is a match. It's it's just, you know, I hate to say fair, you know, or unfair because, you know, we're going to have a ton of critics out there. Unfortunate is probably the better word. I just think that sometimes you've got to draw a line in the sand and you say, hey, listen, it's not all about the big-name teams. Uh, you know, I think that there are plenty of teams out there that can the, – the part that's crazy is I've had this conversation a ton of times. What makes the NCAA basketball tournament so special? It's not who wins it. It's the Cinderella story. And essentially, the volleyball tournament disallows that. You, you, there's not as much of that. And so it, it, it boggles me that something could be so wildly popular and, and because of the Cinderella story. But in volleyball, they've chosen, hey, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. I don't get it. The setup's the same or, quote-unquote, is the same, but at the end of the day, it's not because you take some of that Cinderella story out of it because you limit, you know, you limit the number of people. So you don't, get, you don't get those matchups. I'm looking at the Pac-12 standings right now, and by NCAA rules, right now 11 of the 12 teams are eligible for postseason play. Washington State, who's 3-9, and nine, equal record of UCLA, is 16-9 and nine overall. But they sit in 11th place. So if the Pac-12 gets, let's say, seven teams, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, that would end with Oregon. That would actually leave Utah out right now. And Utah's had a great season. They're 17-7 and seven to 13-9 and nine for Oregon, but 6-6 six and six in conference. Then you have Arizona State, UCLA, Washington State right behind them. I just don't see any way how you'd put UCLA in and leave out an Oregon or maybe an Arizona, depending upon how things go, with eight matches remaining in the season. It's interesting to see what happens if you reward someone based on reputation or based on season when they have maybe similar records. Yeah, not only that, you know, for the most part, you're talking about traditionally – teams, you know, the high number of teams or high number of com- uh, the conferences, the top conferences are talking about six, seven teams in. Eight is pushing it. Uh, nine, I think, is unheard of. But, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got that instance. I think at some point what you do in conference matters. And, and until, until they make a statement that says that, I mean, it's okay to do this. It's okay. And, again, you know, take an Arizona State. You know, it's a that's a tough draw right there. Um, you know, they've lost. They just won this past weekend, but before that, they won. You know, they lost seven in a row. Uh, that's that's not easy. You know, uh, and then albeit great teams, and they've got some good wins on their schedule as well. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a real easy answer to that. Well, All I right, don't Deb. think there is an easy answer because if you're going to try and kind of skate the line between we want the top 64 teams in or we're going to take this many from this conference and only one from this conference, you know, those smaller ones where you have to be the champion, 
you're going to get this weird conglomeration like we talked about with the matchup. So I don't, I don't know that there is a way that the current system, anyone's ever going to walk away. So this is 100% perfectly fair, anything like that. And I know that fair isn't the point, but it is just a really unique, you know, because it is different from basketball and that with the lack of seeding from top to bottom too, it does just create some very unique situations that, um, you know, not necessarily best. We're talking about the interests of the student athletes and whatnot. I would argue that it's not necessarily in the best interest, but you know, personal opinion on that one. Deb, you uh, you had good information last week. A lot of matches you were watching. What was on your radar this past week? Yeah, um, this is a little bit speaking to what we were just talking about um, with some of those powerhouse conferences. But, you know, we had the Purdue beating Wisconsin in five. Wisconsin is one of those teams, Sheffield has just taken them and turned them into something worth watching this season. And they have some really nice big wins, and then they get beat. And I'm not sure if that speaks to the strength of the team or the weakness of the team or just the strength of that conference. You know, across the board in the Big Ten, Pac-12, we kind of have those upper echelon top three teams, and then everyone else is just absolutely duking it out. And to me, you know, across the board, what I've been noticing, it's not so much one match, but kind of the trend that in those matches between your Purdue's and Wisconsin's or your, um, you know, your Arizona State's or even some of those Oregon matches, it's not coming down necessarily. They're all good teams, but it's the teams that have players who it's coming down to one play. You know, one person makes a big hit and it changes the whole entire game. Or one person misses a key serve and you see you know, Northwestern going five against Nebraska and things like that are going on. So it's everyone is just so good once you kind of get that top, I would say maybe five to 25 in the nation, that it's just a slugfest everywhere right now. Interesting situation for Illinois inside the Big Ten. I'm looking here, <laughs> yeah. and they currently sit in eighth. So you could see eight teams maybe coming out of there. They're six and six. They could make a move in conference, but they are 10 and 12. They're ineligible currently. Yeah, you know, I have obviously spent a lot of time checking out them in particular just because I have a personal vested interest in their success this year. Um, you know, just eyeballing the matches that they have to win to make it. There are basically every win from here on out is a must win, save maybe the Penn State game. You know, it's one of those teams they have, I think we're one of the only teams with a top 100 RPI that aren't tournament eligible right now. Um, you know, and that's a lot of their pre-conference stuff, but it's also a lot of them just you know, we talked about earlier about the importance of getting it done in conference and how much of an effect that should have. You know, they haven't necessarily gotten it done in conference. There's some matches they should have been winning, I think, that they're not winning. So if they don't make the tournament because of it, you know, they can be a great team. But I think a lot of it does come down to you can't control the conference you're in, you really can just control if you win. I think that was spot on before that observation. A certain number 12, Katie Static, middle blocker, freshman, six foot three, out of Watertown, Wisconsin, and Watertown yeah. Unified High School, I believe, is uh, why you're paying attention to the Illini. That might have something to do with it. Brand, I'm, I'm looking down here, and we start to get into this argument again about moving rankings based on losses to teams that are supposedly, according to the rankings, better than you. And I'm thinking of Stanford and Southern Cal. It was a 3-2 match, but Stanford, who's ranked number six, ended up losing to number four, SC. How do you think that affects the rankings, or should? You know, at some point, I think it's just going to have to be a wash, you know, to, depending on how it goes. And, you know, obviously that was a five-set match. And, 
you know, again, at some point, I think it just, I think it's silly to continue to move people, you know, all around, you know, in in that match. I think it's, uh, you know, I would probably, in my book, if I were voting, I would just keep them the same. You know, uh, I don't know where anybody would go at that point. Um, you know, USC loses to Washington uh, the week before, and then, uh, you know, Stanford loses to SC with Florida holding steady. Uh, you know, the the only place that they could go, Stanford could drop down one to six, or excuse me, to seven, and Missouri could, you know, go up one. Uh, Missouri with a good win against Kentucky. So, you know, it's definitely interesting to see, you know, what's going on. It's uh, definitely one of the teams that has snuck back into the top ten without really us talking about it. They got all the way up to number two is San Diego, and that's kind of an interesting uh, team to see what, you know, as, as hot as they were early on, and then they kind of fell out, and then, you know, without even looking from the beginning of October, basically they have done nothing but win, and uh, kind of an interesting team going into that, you know, the last couple of weeks of play. Yeah, they are. 19- and I think San Diego's a great. Oh, sorry. I think San Diego's a great example of a team that kind of, you know, they start out hot and they kind of prove that there's someone who's worth watching this year. But we have all these good teams, and besides you know, our two undefeated teams this season, everyone is beatable. Everybody is going to lose at some point. And I think they're proof that, you know, you can kind of hit that and you can lose some matches and still be one of the best teams. You know, they've bounced back well. They had, they lost to, did they lose to St. Mary's first time around? Am I remembering that correctly? San Diego did. Yep. They yeah, lost it. That know, was their uh, third conference match of the year, 15-11. Right. right. Yeah, and, you know, now we see them coming back, and it's kind of like they're just steady and consistent and on a mission. And, you know, we kind of talk about when they lose that St. Mary's match, oh, are they as good as we think they are? Are they really it this year? You know, I think the answer for a lot of these teams is yes. You know, once you start kind of proving yourself, you're going to drop. And I know that you have to win those big matches to be in that top five. But, you know, San Diego's pretty good proof that they can be a solid team and lose a stupid match every now and then. Looking at the rankings just released by the ABCA, Texas remains at number one, Penn State number two, Washington at number three. Those are the only three teams receiving votes for number one. And actually, one through eight, completely the same. So Stanford doesn't move at all. Brandon, it was Josh theory. So you have the top three, then you have Southern Cal at four, Florida, Stanford, Missouri, San Diego, Minnesota, and Colorado State. And the only two undefeateds remain Colorado State and Mizzou. Way to defy... The TNL curse, Mizzou. Nice job over there. We did not send you down in flames as we did with Michigan State. Nebraska, Hawaii, Michigan State at 13, still 18 and 6. They're looking good. Purdue, Duke, Wisconsin, Michigan, Florida State. Uh, go Nick Lucena. North Carolina, Kentucky, BYU, Cal, Cal State, Northridge at 23. Kansas and Iowa State. Dropping out was Oregon and Oklahoma. Also Oregon just outside the top 25 now. Uh, th- these, this top group, it looks pretty good. I mean, those top three teams, Texas State and Washington, I think you can throw SC in there after they swept the Northern California teams this past weekend. It really, Brandon, I, I don't see any threat to these guys in the first two rounds. No, you know, again, especially looking at what 
Penn State, you have to at some point look at the scores. I mean, again, Penn State on the road at Michigan State, 14, 18, and 20. Uh, again, if you've played volleyball or coached volleyball, you know, 14, 18, those are pretty cruise matches or sets. Uh, you know, they're not just beating people. They're beating people with – some pretty low score, so that's a scary team going into it. You know, what I think is interesting is you've got representatives from the Big 12, Big 10, and Pac-12 all in the top three. Uh, I don't know how many years uh, that's been where you didn't, you know, you had a 1-2-3 combination like that. Uh, obviously, the Pac-12 is, is really holding steady in the top 25. Yeah, I don't I don't really see a, a ton of pressure for those teams, especially, you know, if they get the draws that they uh, deserve. Well, yeah, if Florida could step up a little bit, we could have four different conferences in the top four. If Florida would jump up above USC, but it's getting close. Definitely a good diversity there. Let's get to our pick here. Brandon, we're going to start with you and give us a match. Give us your pick. Um, you know, I'm going Florida at home versus Missouri. Uh, this is the one lo- uh, loss that Florida has. Uh, at Florida is a tough place to play. I'm going to stick with the Gators. I think Missouri has had a unbelievable run, but I don't think that they can get it done. They, uh, as I just heard from one coach, they are a side-out mach- uh, machine, Missouri is. But I think the one thing that really messes up with the side-out percentage is uh, toughness of serve, and Florida is not afraid to bring it with their serve. Uh, so this is the one match that I think that Missouri gets tripped up on and Florida wins. Yeah, and, you know, a lot, I think I've said this before, but a lot really can be said for that momentum pendulum, and Missouri doesn't seem to be falling off of it. You know, they keep hitting these contests where you think they might be challenged and maybe this will be what trips them up. And, you know, kind of like with Michigan State, once you get a team losing, it's kind of equally it's hard to stop that trend. But I just don't know if I see it happening happening to Missouri in this one. Oh, so you'll take Mizzou. Yeah. Undefeated. Can't go against them. Deb takes Mizzou at 27-0. I like that pick. Deb, give us your first match. Um, I am going to be watching the Nebraska-Minnesota. Nebraska just took five sets to beat Northwestern. Kind of mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, they're a strong team. we got Minnesota, who is strong this year as well. You know, coming down to those Big Ten, Big Ten powerhouses, and they're two of them that I think are right, right at the top, probably in the top three of the best teams in the Big Ten right now. So I think... I think I'm going to have to go with Nebraska on that one. They're playing some really, really good defense right now all around. All right, Corn Huskers. And it I'll stick with the ball. Nebraska. Let me just throw that out there. I'll stick with the ball guy. Minnesota at home. I like what they're doing there, and I love his haircut. So I'm sticking <laughs> with you and the Gophers. Brandon taking his doppelganger. Love his hair. <laughs> and the shirt. Definitely he'll be wearing a patterned shirt. Rosenthal will probably have the same one on on the same night. Yeah, we're, we're sponsored by Despicable Me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just called Hugh McCutcheon Gru. This has been a great show. Gru McCutcheon. Yeah, Gru awesome. McCutcheon. <laughs> I would imagine he's heard it before. Uh, there, put that on guard off if you're still around. Gru McCutcheon. Definitely needs to be in a collage. You need to make a mega collage. We need like a 
I don't know, a 20 by 30 collage that covers the last five weeks would be an absolute The three of us have never been seen in the same room together. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) All right, Brandon, give me your second match. Um, You know, I think uh, I I want to – I'm going to pass right now. Go ahead, Deb. I'm going to pass. Sorry. Wow. I'm going to take a laugh. You threw threw me off. Hold on. You threw me off. Phone and a friend. Phone and a friend. Yes. Go ahead, Deb. All right, Deb. All right, I'm going to head over to the Pac-12, um, Oregon, UCLA. I think, you know, UCLA's got them at home. Oregon, I just, I want them to start getting going this season just because I know what it looks like when they do and how pretty it is. Um, and, you know, UCLA is one of those two. They're right on the edge of, of, being, of being in the mix. So I think that's going to be a pretty good one at UCLA's home court. Um I'm going to go with Oregon. I know that's a not sure how I feel about that, but I'm going with Oregon. I would pick UCLA to score 23 points and then pick Oregon to win the match. That's, that's <laughs> At this point, from what I've seen, that's what I might pick. All right, so Deb, take ta- Oregon. I'll take, I'll take uh, UCLA. All right, Brandon takes the Bruins. You better, you better call Mike Seeley and see about over 20, see what they can do with it. I do love right. his haircut, though. I'm jealous of his haircut. Yeah, and his wardrobe. He is the artist formerly known as Mike Michael Seely. Pardon me, switch to Michael now. All right, Brandon, you have a match. I'm going to go. Phone your friend. <laughs> yes, I have. I phoned a, a former host here, and I'm going Cal State Northridge at the Pyramid, uh, Long Beach State. So uh should be an interesting matchup here. Uh, but I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Northridge. Interesting. You pick Northridge, pick CSUN to go over Long Beach. I like that. Long Beach and Hawaii are in a little bit of a battle now for that title. It's uh, in, in Big West Volleyball. I, that, I think everyone had it kind of preordained for Hawaii early on, but they've stumbled a little bit. Deb, give yeah, me your pick. I think I'll take, um, I'll take Long Beach at the All pyramid. Right. You're going to take Long Beach yeah, at the no- Right. Northridge is in first in that uh, conference right there, so this should be interesting. Uh-huh. Northridge is in first, really, over Hawaii right now, because I see Hawaii defeated Irvine and Long Beach this past week. And Northridge Hawaii has three losses, whereas Northridge only has one loss. Yeah, they're and, nine. Uh, interesting in the Big West. How about Jeff Stork? Getting it done. Stork. Way to go, buddy. All right, any he other probably talks to Geeter a lot. <laughs> Geeter doesn't talk to anyone that's not affiliated with the Lakers anymore. He's uh, 100% purple and gold. Forget the red. Kobe, he's on Kobe watch, huh? Kobe watch, yeah, 2013. All right, any other matches that you guys have on your radar that aren't in our pick'em? Deb. Um, I obviously am always watching the Big Ten, so I got Michigan Northwestern as one I'm going to be keeping my eye on, too. It's two of those teams that you know, if they start pulling off a couple wins the second time around, they could be in the tournament. And they're those two of those headache teams I think I would classify them as. They could really kick some people off if they do get tournament eligible. So I think that's going to be a, a good one. Brandon, Lipscomb versus ETSU? Yeah, it's going to be a barn burner. It's at ETSU, uh, Lipscomb in four. That's Lipscomb, and that's the battle for the ASUN lead right now, right? That's correct, yes. All right. Very good. Uh, I like. Uh, I also like Kansas uh, at Texas. This will be a great uh, test for Kansas, and 
Uh, they're having a heck of a season again. And uh, But I think Texas is too tough at home. All right. We'll take Texas on that one and take Lipscomb there. Very good. Devin Brandon, thanks very much for your information. As always, we appreciate it. We'll be uh, updating the standings next week. Hopefully, Brandon Rosenthal remains tournament eligible. <laughs> thanks, you guys. Talk to you later. All right, talk to you. Thanks, Deb. Good stuff there. ABCA poll just out. Uh, Number one, Texas, still up there, leading the standings along with Penn State and Washington. Southern Cal in four, Florida in five. You heard our experts detail the fact that those are a bunch of different conferences. That's pretty nice representation. Obviously, uh, two Pac-12 teams, but a Southeastern, Big Ten, and Big 12 all in there. When do I really need to start paying attention so I can uh, make my picks? when they get to the tournament time? Uh, sometime in the next three weeks. Okay. Probably yeah, three weeks from right. now you can Perfect. start paying some attention. Okay. I mean, obviously, the we don't need to pay any attention for the mascot tournament. That we can do just on the fly. That's my favorite. I like picking it via mascots. More yeah, than mascots is fun. And I also plan on just going with whatever uh, Deb picks. That's probably a good idea. I'm going to let her choose first, and then I'm just going to jump <laughs> on that bandwagon. <laughs> the Deb static-driven bandwagon. Yeah, and then maybe I'll pick one... Of Rosenthal's, so that way it doesn't look like I cheated off Deb. So I'll get like a, I'll get a 98 instead of 100. <laughs> you get one wrong on purpose. Yeah, I do have one blemish on my academic record where I did receive a test early. I, I will admit to that. That's nice. Happened. Uh, we, we were doing it for, and we I say somebody in my group of friends was doing it for the Japanese exchange student who needed to pass the religion class that we were all forced to take there at Pepperdine. So that's how the program went. Because you went to a religious school? I did, yes. Yeah. I went to a religious school. Yep. Even though I'm a non-religious person, I went to a religious school and had to deal with it. So. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I thought the classes were interesting. But I note to Pepperdine, the more you taught me, the less likely I was to believe. But not to get off on a tangent, I think learning other people's beliefs and cultures is a good thing. Oh, agreed. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. Too many people, especially nowadays, people are able to put themselves where only only their folks believe what Correct. they believe. I mean, yeah, they stay yeah. in their own little thing. It's uh, Church of Christ, Sean Manzi, no, KCVB. <laughs> Church of Christ is Pepperdine. And they, they've gone further and further right, So even since I was there. But when you major in volleyball, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I, this, this Did you year... you have to thank Jesus every time you had a kill? <laughs> Believe me, there were some people, I'm a little vocal with the swear words, and then that was... Read Pretty would have said Kevin. Deemed inappropriate. Yes, can you please not use the Lord's name in vain? Then I actually got a note from Marv through somebody else that the fact that I was even mouthing those words was a problem, because I stopped saying them. I would just... You were lip-syncing them. Yeah. (laughs) And that was a problem. Hey, Pepperdine folks, relax. What if you just said Jesus instead of Jesus? Dang it, Jesus. Dang it. Well, Jesus would be the guy cleaning Pepperdine at night. That was... That's what I'm saying. And he would have been like, why is that guy mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Funny comment on the chat board earlier when we were talking to Nicholas Senate was about the FIVB tournament and the fact that Sean Scott was on hose duty. It was kind of sad to see Sean Scott go from player to hose duty. Because, you know, he was do- taking one for the team. He knew what it was like. And maybe you didn't know this, but Michael Jordan ran the mop at the United Center a year after he retired. Exactly. Oh, wait. No, he didn't. Look, I'm sure USAV is thrilled to have Sean Scott working for them. They are. Although I couldn't get Sean Scott to admit what he was doing. 
Probably because he didn't know he was doing everything. If the guy was hosing down the court, he was doing a little bit of everything. When I was in FIVB Long Beach, I wanted to talk to Sean about it. I invited him on the show. Well, not yet. Like, what, you don't want to be outed? You want me to go knock on his door and just take my iPhone with me and secretly record? Yeah, what happened to our audio that we were supposed to get? We're supposed to get some audio. Fair not. I was, players. No, don't worry about it. We'll have it next week. All right. Well, we will work on a show for next week. It's looking like Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll, uh, we'll have to update you, but it's looking like Wednesday. Definitely not Monday because that's a holiday. Not Tuesday because I'm playing with needles up in East L.A. And uh, <sighs> Wednesday might be possible. Or we might just record something for everybody and put it out. Hmm. We could also do that. Very interesting. Yeah. Thanks for being a fan. Thanks for listening on iTunes. Thanks to ABCA for their support of this show, as well as uh, Tournament. They have supported the show as well. And everybody who listens to this program, we sure appreciate it. I want to issue a formal apology to Whitney Pavlik. I think you're wonderful. I think you're funny. It's just you had four partners. And honestly, I'm okay with that. And look, we apparently on the show, we decided that being a slut is okay compared to being a whore. Well, because you're getting paid. I honestly have no problem with either one. Again, we're that back was, into the religion of politics. Point. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the point, Kevin. And Nick Lucena, you also had four partners, so count yourself amongst amongst that group. Deuce Bigelow. I was trying to think of something wrong. Male Gigolo? Nick or Lucena, and I couldn't do it that quickly. <laughs> Didn't really work. <laughs> Lucena's a tough one. All right, so thanks, everybody, for coming on the program. Thanks to Devin Brandon, as always, for their information about the well, keep an eye on those matches. Mizzou in Florida, Nebraska and Minnesota, Long Beach and CSUN, and Oregon at UCLA. I will be at the Cal-Utah matchup. Utah. Utah, Johnny Utah. And then I will do Oregon-USC coming up at the Galen Center on Sunday. So that one should be a lot of fun. And I won't have to rush to a flight for that. Maybe I just have to hoof it up the 110. Hoof it. Hoof it. All right, everybody. He's Jeremy. I'm Kevin. And... Uh, Enjoy Dead Mouse or whatever's coming on right now. <laughs> Volleyball Magazine, the only print publication covering all aspects of the sport you love. VBM has been publishing the latest in volleyball news for over 35 years. With exclusive photo galleries, player interviews, event coverage, product reviews, and volleyball-specific health and fitness advice, Volleyball Magazine is a great resource for players and fans of all levels. Now with an even more robust online presence, check out VolleyballMag.com to subscribe and find exclusive web content and articles. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Volleyball Mag is the industry's number one volleyball magazine.